Good morning, it's Raina G. Long time, huh? I lost my voice from just before Christmas until maybe last week. Uh, who knows why? You know, sometimes spiritually we're not supposed to be talking or saying the things that we feel or whatever until we, we look inside or have some introspection into what we're saying. Sometimes that's why you lose your voice. Um, we all got sick. We got the southern stuff that everybody gets. and You will hear the sounds of morning. You will hear the wind chimes and the light rain on the roof and the birds waking up. And They still have their voices. And for those who have had a very hard winter, maybe it's a good thing to listen to some of those in the background. Others will tell me it's too noisy and they can't hear me and they're distracted. You know what? <laughs> I live in nature, so you have to kind of get used to it. I love listening to them, and I'm out here all the time. Um, in fact, I only spent three hours yesterday inside, and that was to sleep. And um, slept some outside after the hot tub and, you know, on my glider or whatever. But I only spent three hours inside, and as it gets warmer and warmer, that sometimes I'll sleep out here all night and... Uh, only go inside to use the facilities or brush my teeth or whatever. So anyway, um, this is the Holistic Health Hotline, but you know, and I've said it before, that we have expanded into politics and other things, and and there are more than 180 Holistic Health podcasts that are attached to this one on iTunes and uh, on Podomatic, and there there isn't a lot to say unless things come up you know around vaccinations or whatever there's not a lot more to teach you about holistic health i've got the two books out there i've got all the podcasts um and you just need to go back and and listen to some of those spirituality and spiritually speaking we're into a big week um it is friday the 13th but this coming week uh, a week from today actually is the middle blood moon of the five blood moon cycle um, that has lined up this year has only done this in line with the Jewish holidays four other times in history that are that's recorded probably millions of times before that but this is a super moon there's a solar eclipse on that day um, it's a blood moon it's right in the middle of, of um, like I said is the third moon so there's the Passover holiday that was last April, and then Sukkot, and then this moon, which is Adar 29, it's like the new year, and then um, Sukkot and Passover again. And when these things have lined up this way, or the moons have lined up this way, not these things, but when the moons have lined up this way historically, something happens in Israel whether that is the massacres that happened many, many thousands of years ago or the, the uh, establishment of the Israel state or um, the boundaries being reset, um, war, whatever. But with everything that's going on in the world, these, this particular moon cycle seems to fall right in line with the prophecies that, uh, that everybody in the Bible and the Torah and the Mayans and Native Americans have all felt is going to happen soon. That we are in a crossroads of change um, for either evil or good. And isn't that why we're on earth in the first place? People ask us why we're here all the time, right? Why are we alive? Why are we here? 
Is it to make money and make sure that we have titles or we have power over others to, to be richer than your neighbor? Is it just to have kids and propagate and, and fill the earth with people who, <laughs> at this point, are very Id either ignorant, illiterate, or um, uh, evil, not good, whatever, lazy? I mean, is that what we're here for? Just keep on pushing out that population and not taking responsibility for, for uh, how they try to give back to humanity? Um, are we just here to to provide goods for others? Well, you know, who knows? Service for others? We are here to serve humanity. I mean, we are humanity, so we're here to serve each other. That's the lesson from all books, regardless of your religion. But the way people do that service, you know, varies by religion and by ideology. Um, but there's a lot going on that's trying to teach us why we're here. And one of the main reasons, and I'll, that you know, I think probably the Christians understand this in their own way better than others. But we know that the earth has evil. We know that it's evil. It's not heaven. It's not perfect. It doesn't have all love. But we're here because we bring that love, or could, or can, are able to, are empowered to, and able to fight that evil if we fight it. A lot of Christians being killed in the Middle East, regardless of whether they're Coptic Christians or Christian Christians or journalists who happen to be, you know, um, from a church in Nebraska or whatever. If you're a Christian, the um, Islamic State does not believe that that you're a believer in Allah, therefore you should be dead. Whether you're two years old or, or 92 years old, doesn't matter. And no, there's no moderate Islam. If there was a moderate Islam, we'd have, we have a couple million here in the United States now, or more, 10 million, I don't know. But there'd be a couple million on the streets saying, stop this. There'd be a couple million saying, get rid of ISIS and and. Um, Boko Haram and all of these other Al-Qaeda related groups that are trying to establish first the Middle Eastern Caliphate like it used to be, which was huge, and then the European Caliphate would tie into it, and, um, and eventually the Western Caliphate that comes here. Um, if there were moderate, nice Muslims, and maybe there are a couple that you know, you know, I don't know. Um, then have the courage, have the guts, have the true belief in whatever your belief is to say, you know this is wrong, stand up and do something about it. Because when Christians stand up and do something about it, they get killed. Christians aren't also doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, I have a lot of Christian friends and I'll say, why aren't you fighting this? Why aren't you paying attention to what's happening? Why aren't you listening to what's going on? Why aren't you paying attention to what we're saying? Why aren't you reading the news? Why aren't you, you know, <laughs> at least being aware of what ISIS is doing or whatever? And their answer is that they don't want that in their life. They just want joy and happiness. Well, don't we all? You really think that people who are aware of what's going on in this world <laughs> want that in their life? One of the reasons that we stay aware is because we don't want that in our lives. We don't want it in our children's lives or grandchildren's lives. But you have to know that it's there and how they're doing what they're doing 
to help put a stop to it when you get the power or the uh, empowerment to do that. Sometimes it's just, you know, many voices so that a representative who has that power can hear those voices. Now, we are obviously here in the United States in, in a little bit of trouble. I'd actually say a lot of trouble because we let, and it, we did, it was us, we did it. We let the far-left crazy idiots, morons, take over our country. They've wanted to since, you know, the early 1900s. They've wanted to even more when they aligned themselves with Hitler. They wanted to even more as uh, they started losing some, some ground. Um, and they planned for this for years. And people have lost the history. You can't talk to a college kid or a 30-year-old and ask them who Woodrow Wilson was or what he did, what was his major accomplishment. You might ask them on April 15th. You might ask them when their dollar doesn't go as far and the Federal Reserve has to do something. You might ask them that and say, where did that come from? They don't really know what FDR did. They know he was paralyzed for some time with polio and that Eleanor, his cousin who he married, was his, uh, his legs, his eyes, and, and did a lot in the coal mines, etc. But um, they don't really know what he did, except that he, he got a third term, if they even know that. Um, and I think my mother's generation would say that he started that WPA program to put people to work. But they forgot how come they were out of work in the first place. And how come Japan had such an easy route to Hawaii to destroy our fleets and our airplanes? They forget about that. They forget about the, the deal that he made, the New Deal, without Congress. They forget about how, they, how he skipped over Congress to do what he felt was right to sell arms to whoever he thought he should. Um, they don't know that. They know the initials. That's about it. They don't know who took over after he left office or who his people were in his cabinet. They mention Jimmy Carter and all you hear about is Habitat for Humanity. They don't remember the CRA. They don't remember him giving away the Panama Canal um, because it's the right thing to do. Don't remember what was going on with Che Guevara and Cuba and all that while Jimmy Carter was in office. They don't remember the Iranian hostages that Jimmy Carter decided to maybe try to rescue, and that, that didn't work out very well. They don't remember how bad the economy got, how bad our, our um, international relationships became, how horrible the foreign policy was under Jimmy Carter. And then you go up to Johnson. Well, gee, Johnson, he just took over from Kennedy, right? And somebody killed Kennedy. We know it was probably the KKK or the, you know, the Cuban Liberation Army or whatever. We don't think it was maybe his brother and his alignment with um, the people and organizations he was aligned with. That's Brother Teddy. Because the end does justify the means. Ask the girlfriend who's underwater. I'm going to be drinking coffee while I'm talking to you, so you'll hear that once in a while. Because it is morning. I have a little rain on the, on the glass ceiling out here, and the buds are popping out everywhere, and the birds are ready to eat. Um, but they don't think about that, do they? 
Maybe they do. What's Johnson's big accomplishment as president? You know that he hated black people. Oh, how could he? He was a Democrat, right? How could he hate... Uh, what do they call them? African-Americans? See, I don't call them that. They're black, they're white, they're red, they're yellow. Whatever. They're humans. They're people. Are they Americans? Well, if they're Americans, then damn well better call themselves Americans and act like it. If you want to be African-Americans, then go be Africans and visit. And when things get tough, go back home. Italian-Americans, my my, uh, my grandparents were on my father's side were from Italy. They never called themselves Italian-Americans, ever. They learned to become Americans quickly, and they were proud of it. So they were Americans. This president we have says we're all, you know, illegal immigrants. No, we're not. My grandparents had to wait. They had to have a sponsor. They had to learn what they needed to learn. They had to take all the tests, and they had to become citizens. They were legal immigrants. But they're called illegal immigrants by this administration because the Native Americans were here first. And so we took all their land from them. Well, I'm part Native American on the other side. Probably most people in the United States by this time are part black and part Native American and part Asian and Italian and everything else. <clears throat> because hundreds of years have gone by, thousands of years, where people have traveled, have been nomadic, have taken over other lands with wars, etc. And nobody is pure blood anything. I guarantee it. <laughs> you go ahead and do any genealogy you want. Nobody is pure blood anything. Now you have Elizabeth Warren who thinks that she's part Native American but she lives in her $10 million mansion and like uh, Hillary Clinton thinks that she's poor. The elite do think they're poor if they aren't billionaires, you know. Um, but anyway, got we have all of that going on. Now, Johnson, I was back at Johnson. What did Johnson do? He took over for Kennedy and escalated the Vietnam War. Kennedy was a Democrat, right? You know, he was a moderate Democrat. I actually uh, voted for him, or would have if I was voting age. I, I in uh, school, did, I played Kennedy in all the debates. But um, it's because he was moderate that he was killed. Because he wouldn't do what he was supposed to do. You know, allow the Cuban missiles, or the Russian missiles in Cuba, and sent advisors to Vietnam, but wasn't going to escalate that war. Um, one of the first things Johnson said and did after Kennedy's assassination to all his people in his cabinet was, okay, I'll give you your war. And sure, he did. Now, you have all the left today, all the crazy left loons who don't pay attention to history, politics, data, facts, anything, saying, oh, you, you, you elect a Republican, you'll go to war. Go back to Wilson. Hmm, where did World War I come from? Wilson ran on the, the premise, the promise, and the podium, saying he would not get us into World War I. And then we were. And World War II. Our isolationist people here in America who really still didn't want to get involved with what they knew was going on with the Holocaust and um, even and Mussolini in, in Italy and everything else, they still didn't want to go to war. So FDR did his thing, manipulated his foreign policy, set up our ships and our planes and our people so that we lost so many at Pearl Harbor and got everybody all riled up after that Pearl Harbor attack and said, let's go. That was a setup, and people don't get it. But it was FDR who got us into war. 
The Korean conflict, uh, I don't even, they didn't never, they never called that a war, just like they never really called Vietnam a war, but Vietnam, we lost more people than we did in World War II, almost. Um, at least psychologically and mentally and emotionally. And what you also should remember about these wars is World War uh, One, people deployed for three to six months. World War Two, they deployed for six to nine months. When it came to Vietnam, they deployed for 36 months and up. The Iraq and Afghanistan wars, they deployed for three to five years. That's why we have so much P P PTSD, so many suicides. Um, they're not transitioned when they come home. There's not a lot to come home to. And we have a lot of people, a lot of veterans in trouble where we're losing 22 a day or more. We're losing 22 that we know of. But, um, okay, so, you know, go up to the Vietnam War. Yep, Nixon bombed the hell out of Hanoi and actually got us out. Was it good that we got out the way we did? No. But, we, but it couldn't go on any longer. We left Vietnam, and the Vietnam is still in trouble. But it couldn't go on any longer because the Democrats had kept it going for so long um, that it was a mess, just like... What's going on now in the Middle East? And that mess is going to be left to some Republican or conservative president when he or she comes into office. No, George Bush got us into Iraq. And George Bush got us into Afghanistan. Clinton was in office before that. Did you forget? Did you forget the attack on the USS Cole? Did you forget the attack on, on the World Trade Center and how Clinton bombed an aspirin factory? Did you, did you forget about Kosovo? Clinton got you into that little little skirmish over there. And the Clinton Foundation, of course, worked with the Saudis and with others in the Middle East that they're still working with and weakened us in relationship to uh, the Middle East. And because we were in Kosovo and other places that Clinton put us <laughs> the wrong way, uh, now you have bin Laden and his Al-Qaeda group who says, get out of our countries and bombs the World Trade Center again. Well, Bush, whose father did go over to Kuwait for oil, there's no toys about that. The George H.W. Bush, you know, the Kuwaitis got taken over by Saddam, and he and Colin Powell and General Schwarzenegger, rest in peace, go over and within three days liberate Kuwait. They probably should have continued right there, but, but they didn't. They didn't get rid of the dictator in Iraq because there was no government to take over once Saddam was gone, and that would have allowed Iran to take over Iraq. So they stopped. And then the Clintons come in, and then Bush comes back, his son. And we get attacked, and he goes back to Iraq and Afghanistan, and he's going to finish the job. And then, of course, all the smear campaigns, the Alinsky smear, they did really good with this stuff. And There were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, and now that we have ISIS in Iraq, and, and that's been left open by Obama, guess what they're finding everywhere? Weapons of mass destruction. And they're using them. But, you know, that, that was a bad war, and Bush did it. Bush did it. Bush did it. Nobody, you know, that's like saying, I don't even know how to compare that to anything. That's, for, that's forgetting that your parents had a history and your grandparents had a history and that you have a history and you're blaming it on somebody who never existed. You don't look at the history of how it all happened. 
Yeah, Bush was the one who said they're going to hear from us. And Bush was, you know, he wasn't the smartest guy in the world, but he loved his country. He was ticked off. I mean, well, it was an inside job. Obama's a 9-11 truther. So is Van Jones. So is Eric Holder. Probably everybody in Obama's White House and cabinet is a 9-11 truther. It was an inside job. Well, everything in this world is an inside job. Yes, you can tell that the Third World Trade Center went, building went down by implosion and that the, the guy who owned all the insurance on these buildings made a lot of money. Um, yes, so what, George Bush or went over when he got elected after he beat Gore, who was trying to use typical Democrat voter fraud to win? But lost. Um, George Bush did what? He he said, "Hey, we got to have a war, and I got to go get Saddam. So let's go blow up the World Trade Center." Yeah, really. What? Well, then that means Clinton did it too, because they tried to do it when Clinton was president, but they didn't hit it hard enough. That's why they went to the planes. But George Bush did that, right? George Bush probably said under Clinton, make sure that under Clinton somebody goes into the basements of the World Trade Center and tries to blow it up so that everybody can say that he did it. Or maybe he's also the one that told the boats to go out there and attack the USS Cole. Or blow up the barracks in Beirut. They killed all the Marines. It was George Bush, right? Talk to any leftist idiot and they'll say, yeah, well, wasn't that Bush? Ask them any questions that make any sense or, or rely on facts, and they can't answer it. They don't listen to that stuff. They've listened to the rhetoric. They've become the sheep. Black people, listen to me. The Black Caucus will do anything that Obama says, and yet one of the things that black people talk about all the time is slavery. Okay, well, there's um, probably still 100 million slaves in the world, and they're being sold by ISIS and Al-Qaeda, all of the Muslims that come out of Africa. The first slaves were sold by Muslims to the Europeans and then brought over here. It wasn't Americans like my mother, father, or grandparents, or great-grandparents who were sitting in the United States saying, oh, I can't wait till I get a black slave for Christmas. And some of the first slaves were white, being sold by the Muslims. Many of them were girls, still being sold by the Muslims. That slavery still exists. But you will continue to listen to the rhetoric of the people who are using you and say, oh no, it's all white people. These raw, these bad white people who own slaves, they're all European colonialists and we need to get rid of them all. Otherwise, racism and our terrible lives are going to exist the way they are forever. Well, get a clue. You've been used for hundreds of years. You're still being used. You think that you should be Democrats and vote for any Democrat because you're black. So do they. That's what they hope you think, and that's what they hope you do. <laughs> think about it. The first six black congressmen were Republicans. And they were proud of it, and there was a reason for it. They knew what the Democratic left was doing to the black population. But you guys... You new guys, you know, you black people who say they, you know, you white people are no good and we just need to kill you and everything will be all great, just like Ferguson, right? You know, only white cops kill black people in Ferguson and for no reason. It isn't because those black people are robbing stores or beating you up or carrying guns or selling drugs. They're just killing you. Now they are ticketing and they'll ticket 
you know, they have this thing in Ferguson, which people don't understand or haven't listened to either, that the city gets its revenue, the little part of the city in, in Missouri, gets its revenue from tickets, traffic tickets, which is not unlike many cities or towns in the United States. You have to get your revenue from someplace, and we know it here, we know it. The first of the month or the last of the month, you see more cops on the streets than in the middle of the month because they have to meet their quotas. So maybe you don't step on the gas as hard, or you stop at the stop sign longer, or you make sure that you drive better. Well, that's not a bad thing, is it? It's a little bit of a reminder that maybe you should pay more attention or whatever, wear your seatbelt. And if you don't, you get a ticket and you pay the ticket. But that's because people, you know, we will pay attention and I don't get tickets because I pay attention. So what's the percentage in Ferguson? Well, probably 87%, I think they said, of black people have been ticketed. Okay, but the population of Ferguson is 85% black. So, of course, you're going to have a higher percentage of black people getting ticketed. If it was all white, how could you have a higher percentage of black people getting ticketed? If it's all black, you're going to have a higher percentage of white people? Like there's, you know, let's let's put it down to small numbers. You got, you got uh, ten white people and five or two black people, and all ten of the white people have to get ticketed all the time to make sure the percentage is high enough that the whites are getting ticketed. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Now, do black people mess up more than white people? You know they do. That doesn't mean the white people are great or the perfect or don't get in trouble. They're always in trouble. They're the ones who start the, the the cartels often, who got us into drugs and alcohol. You know, whether those come from the old mafia groups or the gangs or whatever, doesn't matter. White people aren't perfect and neither are black people. All right? So all that stuff is out there. But um, you, you get to a place like Ferguson and you've got People who don't read, can't read. Don't go to school, won't go to school. Don't work, don't want to work. Black and white. And they're on the streets every night. And they celebrate black cops getting shot. Those cops didn't even come from Ferguson. They were from out of town just helping out. They celebrate those things. Is that right? Is that what you want to do? Or is that what you've been told to do? What's amazing to me is that people of any color don't want to be slaves. You know, the Italians suffered under Mussolini. And uh, the Japanese Empire did a lot to its people. in China, oh my God, what Mao did to kill millions and millions. What happened in Cuba? What happened under, under any dictatorship? What's happening now with the slave trade coming from the Muslims? And little girls and women being treated as they are. Nobody wants to be a slave. But you get the Black Caucus, the Black Democratic Caucus in our Congress. If Obama says you vote this way and you don't vote that way, you better do it. Or he's going to trade you. He's going to sell you. He's going to make sure you suffer. And so all the Black Caucus says, yes sir, yes sir, I'll do it. Whatever you say. Because I'm black and I know what I know and I know what I need and I know what I'm thinking. But if you ask him, well, did you read what Obama's doing? Did you read the bill? Did you read what he's what he's trying to do now? What his agenda is? Have you looked at the the Gamam and Leal Foundation and how he based all his agenda on that theology? Have you looked at that? What are you talking about? They're talking. I never saw that. Listen to them in Congress. Listen. 
to the Democrats. Did you read the bill? Well, not yet. Did you vote on a course? Well, how did you vote? The way I was told to vote. So you don't want to be slaves, right? But you are. You're listening to the master, and the master's telling you what to do. And you're smiling about it all the way to the bank, right? Because he's going to protect you. He's going to make sure you're okay as long as you stay on his side. And you know what? We got a white woman who wants to be just like that. Wants to be the next one coming into that office who will tell you that she's done more for women than for black people than anyone else in this world and that she deserves to be president. And yet she gets money from all the corporations and foundations and people, rich people, in countries who abuse women, who do uh, genital mutilations, sell them out as slaves, sell their little girls out to be raped and married at six years old or eight years old. But that's all right. It's not here, right? We don't do that here. You want to bet? You want to bet that that mutilation and that kind of stuff is not going on in America? It is. But as long as we're getting that money from the Ford Foundation and taxpayers and the Saudis and people from Qatar and Iran and you just, you know, there's just so many countries that do this, then that's okay. Because she's female, she should be president. And you know, you Democrats, you believe that. Well, she, you know, she is. She's an Alinskyite. She follows the Alinsky rules. Alinsky was her, her uh, idol. She wrote her college thesis on it, but at least she wrote a thesis. Can't say that about um, some of the women who are in office right now. All right, but she wrote her thesis on Alinsky because that was her idol. Well, guess what? The Gamamaliel Foundation follow Alinsky also and Obama promised that foundation that he would follow that agenda and make sure he implemented it which included Obamacare which included cap and trade um, this has all been planned and Hillary Clinton is going to be the next Obama in a skirt but she's been white she won't be able to use the race card she's going to use the sexist card she's going to use the gender card She's going to say that she's done more for women than any man ever could. And she's the smartest woman in the world, according to many on the left. She's so smart, so smart, so intelligent, that she didn't lose her law degrees like Obama did and his wife. She didn't do that. She still has hers. She didn't get disbarred like her husband did, yet. She still has that degree. She's so smart that when she was made Secretary of State as a promise from Obama to allow the black population to vote, which came from Soros, by the way, they made a deal, she and Obama. They went off on their own away from the press, oh, just before the last two primaries. And nobody knew where they were. They were in a secret meeting, everybody said. And nobody knew exactly why. And when they came back, all of a sudden she was losing and that was the end of that. She was off the ticket. It was going to be all Obama. They knew what they wanted. They watched what, what the population, the demographics were doing. And yes, women would vote. But Sarah Palin had come on board. And that split the women's vote. So now they had to stay, oh my God, Hillary might not win because there's another woman. And people, some people like her. So first, we got to destroy Sarah Palin best way we can, any way we can, smear the hell out of her, go into her emails, every single one of them, private or not. Let's see what we can find. Let's do anything we can to destroy her, but that's there, there's still going to be women who vote for her, so we've lost that vote. We didn't lose the black vote. 
Let's make sure we get the black vote. Let's use them again. So Hillary stepped back because you always make room and say, okay, okay, I'll wait my turn because you're going to give me the, you know, I'll be Secretary of State and I can still do all these things with the Clinton Foundation and I can set up what I need to set up so that when it's my turn to step in, I can step in. Okay. Soros. Soros. <laughs> they use the Alinsky tactics on Sarah Palin and, you know, John McCain. I, I have no love loss for John McCain, but uh, I don't think we'd be in many of the places we are now if even somebody like him had gotten into office. But, but you know, now they're gonna they're gonna vote for Hillary no matter what she does. She was she's so smart that she says she uses her husband's, her ex president husband's, her impeached ex president husband's server for her emails in some office building in New York City. Well. He paid for it out of his own pocket, says some Democratic operative. So it's not taxpayer money. Why did Bill Clinton, as president, set up his own server? Nobody's even asking that. What emails or anything were on that server since he never emailed anyone? Who used that server under President Clinton to do what? Why did he have a private server? Where are all the records from that server when he was president? Nobody's asking that. Okay, maybe we're too focused on Hillary's emails, which are more than interesting. She says she broke no rules. She followed all the rules that she was governed under, except the main one, that the emails are not yours, whether it's on your server that your husband paid for or not. When you work in public office, especially in federal public office, especially in the position that she was in, that every bit of correspondence is ours. Even if she wrote an email to her husband and said, I love you today. I didn't yesterday, but I do today. All right, that's not ours. You can keep it, but we have to see it first to make sure you didn't say, I love you today. Not so much yesterday, but today. Oh, by the way, we're going after bin Laden. Now, now that becomes even more important, doesn't it? It's not a personal email anymore. And she thinks she can decide that she, she should be the arbiter, that she's the one who's in charge of who sees what because it was on her server. No, she's a public servant. The United States people, the American people, own the communications that she did because we pay her. She works for us. We elected, unfortunately, the administration that she worked under. Obama works for us. He's going to go to the U.N. now and kind of shred the Constitution and do these little deals with Iran and everything else, and he'd like to do a federal police force that is under the command of the federal government before he leaves office, and he's working on that. He's going to make sure he does the cap-and-trade stuff even more so the EPA is totally in charge of everything you do. He's going to make sure he does that, and he's going to circumvent Congress on everything like he already has and make it, you know, a non-entity so that... Uh, the, <laughs> Anything that he sets in, in place with the United Nations can't be um, challenged by anyone in Congress. He's going to try to do all that because he's, he's the king. But, um, but even his server is going to be looked at, whether he knows it or not. His emails and his communications. Well, he'll tell you he doesn't use email. And he told everybody, don't do that, just text. Use your BlackBerry. <laughs> no emails. That's what he told everybody. 
Hillary says she didn't send any classified email back and forth to anyone. And yet Obama says, oh, yeah, he knew that she was doing something, but didn't know that there was anything wrong with it because he was emailing her all the time. Well, as soon as the president emails you and says, yes, I am aware of what you're doing with Benghazi, and we're going to use the videotape, the little YouTube tape, as our excuse. It's classified information, but it's an email or a text that belongs to the American people, and it is going to be uncovered somehow. Um, whether it's on his BlackBerry, her BlackBerry, or somebody that he wrote to who intercepted her BlackBerry, or some hacker who hasn't come forward yet who actually intercepted all of this. Maybe it was Snowden. Who knows? We don't know. But we will know eventually. And it brings us all back to why we're here. I can't just talk about holistic health, Big Dave. I can't. The world is in trouble. And part of holistic health is knowing that there's a global politic going on that affects everyone's health. It takes away our voices for two months at a time. It puts people on their backs. It puts people into stress mode so that they, they and their children and their grandchildren are getting sick and they don't know why. And then there's the people who say, I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to know anything, who go their merry ways and, and, then, and they die. Okay, that's all holistic health. We are connected globally. And all the things that people are doing right now to destroy the planet, to destroy each other, to destroy America is destroying people. So holistically, I have a duty to make sure people are informed, that they have the facts and not the rumors, that they know the history and not the, the, the present-day um, dictates that, that are and the rhetoric, so that they just spout the rhetoric. I have a duty to that. And that makes me a spiritual warrior. It makes me an old marine warrior. But it makes me who I am. And people have a choice. They can listen or not. Um, I have a lot of listeners, so people must want to hear something. And I can't just be positive, positive, positive. Because my kids will suffer, and my grandkids will suffer. If I don't keep getting the word out about what's going on and how we're being led by the nose. Um, so, you know, y'all look up the, the Gamal, Gamamaliel, it's very hard to say, foundation. Google it. Look at the connection between ISIS, Obama, and Iran. Look at Iran and the UN. Look at Hillary and Obama and Alinsky. Look at Ferguson and how it's related to that foundation and Alinsky. And then Hillary. Look at it all. And then learn from it. Try to remember it. Try to spread the word. Try to tell other people. And maybe, maybe if you tell enough people and they feel strong enough from the facts and the knowledge that you've given them, we can start feeling a little healthier about how we're going to maintain this country in the best way we can. I'm losing my voice again from talking so much, but I hope you've enjoyed the morning out here. Um, I do have a new blog. It's uh, earthwalktosusa.com slash blog5. I'm just building it now, but there are a few entries on there that you might be interested in. The the um, spiritual pages, are if you watch, if you know how blog rolls work. You know, there might be a political page on the front and then a spiritual page. If you look at it, it says the blood moon. That's on there. I'm doing a circle next week, next Friday, for the blood moon, for the solar eclipse, which I hope you, you understand and see what that means, what it means to you, not just the Jewish state. Um, it's an energy that affects you, too. Um, it's the first day of spring, and it's my birthday next Friday. So everything's coming together all at once. Uh, earthwalk-usa.com is still around and and kicking 
We still have reflexology classes and essential oil classes, CBD, hemp lifestyle products still out there and doing good things for people. A lot of people um, who were diagnosed with cancer are not cancerous now because of that CBD oil. It, uh, it comes from industrial hemp. It's totally legal in all 50 states. You can go on Earthwalk and find the connection to that. Um, We've got uh, all kinds of things happening. There's more books out there. I even wrote a book at Christmas time called Christmas Shorts, which, um, so, you know, it didn't sell huge. It's not even that long. But they're all out there. They're, uh, they're on Kindle. They're audio, etc. So the books are there. The information is there. iTunes are there. YouTube is there. Uh, the websites are there. The podcasts are there. And if you don't know the facts about things by now, you've got some homework to do. And there's a couple... I think if you go to iTunes and you look up my podcast, just the podcast, it says if you listen to all of them, it'll take you something like 17 days, 24 hours straight. So, yeah, do your homework. Get educated and uh, help your friends and neighbors and relatives and who knows who get educated. Um, rest in peace, those who went down with the, the, uh, the Blackhawk in Pensacola. We went out and actually looked for them and, and um, in the fog and tried to find survivors, etc., and to all my service guys and women out there who I speak to all the time, who are all around the world, um, we're behind you. I salute you. God bless America, and uh, come back, come back, come back to to the Holistic Health Line. Come back to Raina G. I'm Dr. Raina G. now. Uh, go to earthwalk-usa.com. Spread the word. Share this. Let people know what you're thinking and what I'm thinking. Thanks.